Turn in your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 2. 1 Kings chapter 2, we're continuing our study. We're calling it the history of the nation. What we did is we started in 1 Samuel, where the last judge was Samuel, and then we saw the first king, Saul, then we've seen the second king, David, and now we're seeing the third king, and that's going to be Solomon, and we're seeing what happened as David is, as basically we're seeing the transition, I put it this way, we're seeing the transition time between David as king and Solomon, who came after David and taking the throne. And so David has died, Solomon has taken over, David has taught Solomon's some things right before he died, gave him some instructions. And we're seeing this morning that as we go through this, that we're seeing Solomon is doing what David told him to do. And and there are certain men that he said you've got to deal with because not only did they hurt David, but they would be problems for Solomon as the king. And so as we look at that, here's the four names. We're going to see Solomon deals with four people in our passage this morning, uh, Adonijah, Abathar, Joab, and Shimei. And we're going to see who they are as we go through it in, in just a minute. Most, most of them already, but if you've been studying and going through this, we'll see it. As we, as we start, let me raise some just some questions. First of all, we must realize that sin affects our service for God. We're going to see that. We're going to see the principle of sowing and reaping. We've talked about that many times. We'll go over that. This passage, what it really deals with is sowing and reaping. And then we're going to see relationship, not religion, is really our protection. And we'll talk about what I mean by that as we get toward the end. So let's think about it. You know, the idea of sowing and reaping, we've heard of it. Galatians 6, 7 says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. The bottom line is whatever you put in, you get out. If you do bad things, there's going to be consequences and discipline. If you do good things, there's going to be rewards and those kind of things. As we look at our passage, we're seeing this whole issue. We're going to see some men, some men who did some bad, evil things, and there are consequences for that, and that's what happens. We're also going to see some people, and we're just going to look at them, and we're going to see that they're going to be rewarded for the good things that they've done. And so that bottom line is for all of us, that how we live as believers. Now, salvation costs us nothing. It has nothing to do with, with salvation. Salvation is a gift by faith alone and Christ alone. But as believers, or as just unbelievers, how people live, their consequences, the sowing and reaping is always true. We're going to see that a man by the name of Abathar, he's a priest. He loses his position as a priest. We're going to see Joab was the general with David. He loses that position. And we're going to see why, what's going on, and what happens. Let me give you the outline. It, it looks like a lot because we're going to start with verse 13 and go through verse 46. We'll go fairly quickly, especially toward the end, but we're going to see that Solomon deals with Adonijah. We'll talk about who he is. Most of us know him. Abathar, then with Joab, and then finally Shimei. And we're going to see that. What does... what does Solomon do? And why does he do it? And how does he do it? So as we begin, I've got to remember, let me give you the background. David is dying. The next king is supposed to be Solomon. If you go to the book of Chronicles, First and Second Chronicles, it actually says that David brought in the elders of the tribes, told them Solomon's going to be the next king. The prophet Nathan had already come and said the same thing. So they know Solomon's supposed to be the king. David's about to die. He's so weak, he can't even sit up in the bed. And at that time, Adonijah, Adonijah, that's David's oldest son, the oldest living son, he decides he's going to be king. And so he has a party. He's going to announce himself king. He has people like Joab and Abathar come with him. But right in the middle of the party, David announces Solomon and puts Solomon on the throne, puts Solomon on his, on his mule. And, and so Solomon becomes the king. 
So Adonijah realized he's in trouble. And so he, he, uh, he thought he was going to be the one. And so we see what happens. Now, right before David died, he gave these final instructions to Solomon as the king. And here's what we saw last week. We saw that it was three things. He's talked to Solomon about himself. He talked to Solomon about his relationship to God. And he talked to Solomon about relationship and dealing with certain men. As far as dealing with himself, he said, Solomon, you got to be courageous. You got to stand for God. One of the things that we realize is that David was a warrior from the time he was a 14 or 15 year old. Solomon has never been a warrior and never will be a warrior. Solomon grew up in the palace. Solomon is a wise man. Solomon's going to be the richest king who's ever lived. He's going to be the wisest man who's ever lived, but he's not a fighter. He's not a warrior. David says, Solomon, you got to act like a man. You got to stand strong. You got to deal with things because once you're the king, they're going to be coming after you. So you got to be strong. That's what he says. The second thing is he says, you've got to have a relationship with God and you've got to really grow and you've got to obey the word of God. What we found out when you go back to the, the Mosaic law, that when a king came to power, he was actually supposed to make a copy for himself the first five books of the Bible called the Torah, the law. He's supposed to make his own copy of the Bible, keep it, read it daily, study it, and base his kingdom off the Word of God. That's what David told Solomon. He says, you've got to go back to the Word of God. You've got to live according to the Scripture so that you'll be blessed. That's what he said. And then the third thing is he said, I want you to deal with certain people. One of them was Joab, one of them was Barzilla, his sons, and one was named Shimei. Now, now, Joab and Shimei did wrong, and, and we're going to see more about that in a minute. Barzillai, we only see him early, and Barzillai helped David, and so David told Solomon, take care of Barzillai's sons, just take care of them. So now we're going to see that. In fact, as we actually get into the passage, there are four people that we're going to see this morning. We'll go through it fairly quickly. Four people that Solomon has to deal with. Adonijah is David's fourth son. He was in rebellion. Abathar was the priest. He was in rebellion. Joab was the former general. He's in rebellion. And Shimei was a man that cursed David, and David let him live. And we're going to talk more about that as we get through and as we go to that. So we got four people, and, and we'll go fairly quickly. And it's an amazing story because we're going to see sowing and reaping. These four people that we see, Adonijah, Abathar, Joab, and Shimei, all did wrong. They all rebelled. They rebelled against God. They rebelled against David. They rebelled against Solomon. And when they did wrong, there are consequences. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatever man sows, that shall he also reap. If you sow of the flesh, it's corruption. That means if me and you live unrighteously, if we live in the flesh, if we live sinful lives, there are going to be consequences in our life because the wages of sin is death. There are consequences. If we live righteously and godly, there will be blessing. We're going to see four people who did not do right, and we're going to see the consequences. We're also going to see some people. I don't have them listed up there, but you'll see them in a minute. They're going, they have done what is right, and they will be rewarded. So some great truths there. So let's start with the first one. That's Adonijah. Adonijah was David's fourth son. When you look in the Scripture and you see the listing of David's son, I think he had, uh, I know he had eight wives and a number of sons. But, uh, and I'm not saying that's right. That's just what the Scripture shows us. The, the uh, first four sons, the second one is, is, is mentioned as his son and is never mentioned again. And we don't know what happened to him. He may have died at birth. There's just nothing about him. The other three sons all get into trouble, all cause all kind of problems, and all of them end up dying. And so here's the fourth one, and his name is Adonijah. And he thinks because he's the fourth oldest son that he should be king instead of Solomon. 
And he decides he's going to be the king. And when the rebellion came and David made Solomon king, Adonijah said, I'm in real trouble. So he ran to the horns of the altar. Now, we talked about it last week. Where the tabernacle was, and we don't know, some parts of the tabernacle was one place, some parts of the tabernacle was another place. It won't all come together until Solomon builds the temple. There was an altar there, and they had a horn on each of the corners of the altar. And you could run to the altar and hold on to it. And what you were saying is, I want protection. I want protection. So Adonijah ran to the horns of the altar and held on to it. And when Solomon found out, Solomon said this. He said, if he's a worthy man, I'll let him live. If he's not a worthy man, if he's a worthless man, he will die. And so that's where we take it up. And that's where we are. So here's what happens now. Yeah, this is going to amaze you. Let's watch what happens. Look at uh, 1 Kings chapter 2, look at verse 13. Now Adonijah, the son of Haggith, came to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon. And she said, do you come peacefully? And he said, peacefully. Now let's talk about what's going on. Solomon is the king. His mother is Bathsheba. If you remember who she was, she was the one that David had, had sexual relations with. He wasn't supposed to. He actually killed her husband and all this. They've ended up married. Everything's been good after this. David confessed his sin, Psalm 51, Psalm 32, and everything's okay. Now, David is dead. Bathsheba's still alive, and her son Solomon is the king. Adonijah comes to see her. Now, she asked the question. She said, do you come peacefully? And he says, yes. Why would she say that? Because if you remember just recently, Adonijah claimed to be the king. If he became king, he would have killed Bathsheba and Solomon. So she doesn't trust him at all. And he comes to see her. Now, you and I might ask a question. Why would Adonijah go see Bathsheba? Well, watch. Now, Adonijah, verse 13, Adonijah, the son of Haggith, came to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon. She said, do you come peacefully? And he said, peacefully, because she doesn't trust him. Then he said, I have something to say to you. And she said, speak. So tell me, what, what, what do you want to say? What do you want to say? So he says, you know that the kingdom was mine. no. And that all Israel expected me to be king? No. However, the kingdom has turned about and become my brother's, for it was his from the Lord. Now, I want you to see what he says. And you know, sometimes in our minds, we got things, and we say, well, that's supposed to be that way. And the truth is, no, it's not. And he actually thought he was supposed to be the king. He said, all Israel expected me to be the king. The truth is, no, they didn't. But he said something true. He said, my brother, everything's turned around, and my brother has become king, that's Solomon, and this is from the Lord. Listen, he already knew it was from the Lord. When he tried to be king, he was going against God. He was going against Solomon. He was going against David. Sometimes we know things are wrong and we do them anyway. And this is what Adonijah did. And so he comes to Bathsheba and he tries to back it up by saying, well, you know, everybody thought I was supposed to be king anyway, but now it's all messed up and Solomon's the king. And so I got something to ask you. That's, that's basically what, what he says. So she says, well, what? So he said, verse 15, you know that the kingdom was mine and all disrespected me to be the king and the kingdom was turned about and become to my brothers. Verse 16, now I'm making one request of you. Do not refuse me. And she said to him, speak. Now she's wise. She said, he said, I'm going to ask you to do something. Would you do it? And she doesn't say, yes, I'll do it. She says, tell me what it is. And we have to sometimes be careful because sometimes people will come to us and say, will you do this? And before we even think about it, we say, yeah, I'll do it. And then we find out and we say, I didn't want to do that. I don't know why I said, yeah. 
I told this story in the first service. This was years ago, like 20-something years ago. A guy came to me, and he was in a fraternity, and he said, would you speak uh, on a Saturday morning at my, at my fraternity for our, our retreat thing? And, and without even thinking, I said, sure. Well, what I didn't realize is that uh, the retreat was three hours from here, and I had to speak at 7 in the morning. So I had to leave. I had to get up at 3 and drive those to get there to speak and then turn around and drive three hours back. And so I said to myself, I'm going to ask next time, where is it and when is it? You know, because sometimes you just say, yeah. And so Bathsheba's pretty smart because he says, will you do it? And she says, tell me what you want. So he said to her, verse 17, he said to her, "Uh, please speak to Solomon the king, for he will not refuse you. You're his mother. He'll do what you say, that he may give me Abishag, the Shunammite, as a wife. Now, let me read the next verse, and we'll come back to it. Bathsheba said, very well, I will speak to the king for you. Now, what is he doing? He's coming, and he's basically saying, uh, I want this woman. Give me this woman. And I says, I want this woman as my wife. And, and who was this? And, and, and by, by the way, let me put this up. She belongs to the former king, David, and now belongs to Solomon. Who is this woman? You remember when David was really older, and he, was, he couldn't get well, and he was in the bed, and he, he was just sick, and they didn't know what to do? And they said, why don't we find this young virgin girl and bring her in and put her in the bed with David, and maybe she'll warm him up. That's what they actually said. And so they found this beautiful girl and brought her in, but nothing happened. And, and now this is the one, because she belonged to David. Now guess who she belongs to? She belongs to Solomon. And so he says, would you ask Solomon that he, uh, uh, he won't refuse you, that he would give me Abishag, the Shunammite, as a wife? Well, you got to remember, she belonged to the former King David, and now she belongs to Solomon. And you could say, listen, how many wives is Solomon going to have? I mean, he's going to have 700 wives and 300 concubines. By the time it's over, there's 1,000 women connected with Solomon. You could say, what's another one, Right? It's no big deal, but it is a big deal. It is a big deal because she belonged to David, and now she belongs to Solomon. And listen, if she belonged to the king, and by getting her, he could claim that he's the king because what was David's is now his. And so he could say, if I get this woman and say she's my wife, I have the right to the throne. Now, he's one of those tricky guys. He tried to get it one way, and now he's going to come through the back door and try to get it a tricky way. You know, there's some people you just can't trust. I'm just being honest with you. You can't trust this guy. And she doesn't trust him at all. But notice what she says in verse 18. She said, very well, I will speak to the king for you. And we could say, Bathsheba, what are you thinking? You can't do that. You can't go to Solomon and ask him to give that woman. Because if if he does, or if if that happens, he could claim the kingdom. And you remember, if he was going to be king, you'd be dead and Solomon would be dead. Now, let me tell you what I think. I think that Bathsheba's a lot smarter than we think she is. And I don't think she's saying, oh, I'll be glad to ask him. I think she says, if I go ask Solomon, he'll kill this guy. And that is a good thing. Because she doesn't like him. He, tr- he was going to kill her. So she, when she says, oh, I'll be glad to go talk to Solomon for you. We could say, don't you know that's not a good idea? She says, it's a good idea. Just give me time. So look at verse 19. So Bathsheba went to King Solomon to speak to him for Adonijah. And the king rose to meet her, bowed before her, sat on his throne. Then he had a throne set for the king's mother, and she said to his right. Now, she, she comes in. He's got a throne. Now, 
It's not been built yet. He's going to build a palace later on. We're going to see it later on before we get through with, with his life. And he's going to build this throne, and it's going to be gigantic, and it's going to be made out of ivory. And by side, on each side is a lion. And then as you go down the steps of the throne, there's lions all the way down. I mean, it's just out of this world. Now, he doesn't have that throne right now. He's probably got David's throne. David's throne would not be special because David was a warrior. He didn't care about that sort of thing. So Solomon is sitting on a throne. He brings in a throne for his mother so she can sit to his right. And he says, mother, come in. And she says, can I talk to you? So the king said, he bowed down and he said, come here, mother. And she sits down. And then in verse 20, she said, I'm making one small, listen to this. I'm making a small request of you. This is not a small request. Do not refuse me. What? You know what she's doing? She's getting him all tanked up and ready to go. And then when she raises it, he's going to be really mad. So watch what it says. She says, I'm making this one small request of you and don't refuse me. And the king said to her, ask my mother, for I will not refuse you. Solomon, don't ever say what you're going to do until you hear what it is. I thought he was the wisest man in the world. You'd think he would know that. He will. Watch. Mother, I'll do. I will not refuse you. Whatever. And so she says, let Abishag, the Shunammite, be given to Adonijah, your brother, as a wife. Let Abishai be Adonijah's wife. Bathsheba requests to Solomon, let, let her do that. Well, we'd say, well, it's no big deal. She, she's just asking. No, she knows exactly what she's doing. She knows by asking that and asking him to do that, he's going to say, what are you saying? What do you think you're doing? We can't do that. Watch what happens. Solomon states, well, why not ask for the kingdom for him then? Look at verse 22. So she, uh, Verse 21. So she said, Let Abishag the Sunamite be given to Adonijah, your brother's wife. King Solomon answered and said to his mother, And why are you asking Abishai the Shunammite for Adonijah? Well, ask for him also the kingdom, for he's my older brother. Even for him and for Abathar the priest and Joab the son of Zerah. He says, well, why don't you just ask for all those people that were rebellion? Why don't you just give him the kingdom? Uh, if you're going to ask for that woman for him, what you're really asking for is the kingdom. See, he was the oldest living son. He could claim the throne. Now, Solomon sees right through it, and I think she planned it all along. I think she wanted this. I think she wants Solomon mad, and I think she wants Solomon to deal with this man because she does not like Adonijah because he would have killed her if he had the chance. And so she says, oh, sorry, I, I, I brought it up. Adonijah was the oldest. He could claim the throne. Remember what he said? If he's a worthy man, he'll live. If he's a worthless man, he will die. He has just become a worthless man because he's asking for the kingdom in a tricky way, in a tricky way, behind the scenes, trying to make it look like one thing. And so look at verse 23. Then King Solomon swore by the Lord, saying, May God do to me, and more also if Adonijah has not spoken this word against his own life. He says he's spoken against his own life because what he said is treason. What he said is, I want the kingdom. I'm the king. He's not the king. He deserves to die. And so look what it goes on to say. King Solomon swore by the Lord, verse 23 again, may God do to me and more if Adonijah has not spoken the word against his own life. Now therefore, as the Lord lives who established me and set me on the throne of David my father and who has made me a house as promised Surely Adonijah shall be put 
to death today. Not tomorrow. Not in, not, right now, we're going to go kill him. And so look what the next verse says. So King Solomon sent Benaiah, the son of Jehodiah, and he fell upon him so that he died. Remember, we talked about Benaiah. He is, he's going to be great. Solomon sent Benaiah to kill him. Benaiah is going to be one of the great warriors of all of Israel. And we're going to see his name over and over again. And I told you that he's, he's one of those unsung heroes in the Bible. Just like Jonathan, David's best friend, was, was one of the greatest men in the Bible. Well, we're going to see Benaiah's that way. And so God, Solomon says, go get rid of him. And Benaiah goes and he kills him. He deals with Adonijah. And what we see is the great principle of sowing and reaping. What we put in, we get out. Sin results in consequences and discipline. And Adonijah tried to rebel and take the kingdom by just taking it. And then when he couldn't get it that way, he tried to come another way and get one of the women. And then he claimed to be king. He is a worthless man. He's done wrong. And it comes back on him. And he gets killed. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever you put in, you get out. And I want to bring this up, even though I love David. But what had happened to David? David sinned. And the consequences were fourfold. Do you remember when David took Bathsheba and had her husband killed? When Nathan the prophet came, he said, you know, if you stole somebody's lamb, you had to pay back what? Fourfold. David lost four sons. He paid back fourfold. He lost the baby that he and Bathsheba had. He lost Amnon, who had raped one of his sisters. He lost him. Absalom killed him. Then Absalom got killed. And now Adonijah has got killed. David lost four of his sons. Be not deceived, guys, not mine. Listen, what, what do we want to do? We want to live in such a way that when we stand before Jesus Christ, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. If we go out these doors and we live in the power of the flesh, we can expect discipline and consequences by living a lifestyle of sin. If we live righteously and godly in the power of the Holy Spirit, we can expect that God will bless us and use us for his glory. Well, we're not through. There's another one. This is Abathar. He's the priest. Look what we find. Then to Abathar the priest, the king said, go to Anathoth to your own field, for you deserve to die, but I will not put you to death at this time, because you carried the ark of the Lord God before my father David, and because you were afflicted in everything which my father was afflicted. Do you remember who Abathar was? Abathar was a priest, and he was a great priest, and he was with David, and when David got ran out of the city, when Absalom tried to take over, Abathar went with him. He carried the ark of the covenant. He was a great man, but when David was about to die, Abathar went with Adonijah, and he said, I want you to be king. He rebelled. So what does Solomon do? He brings him in and he says, I want you to go to your house and your field and stay there. You should die. I should kill you. But I'm not going to because you're a priest. You carried the ark and you were with my father. He said, you deserve to die, but I'm not going to kill you because of your service because you carried the ark. And notice this fulfills the scripture. Notice verse 27. So Solomon dismissed Abathar from being priest to the Lord in order to fulfill the word of the Lord which he had spoken concerning the house of Eli and Shiloh. Do you know what that's about? Do you remember all the way back to 1 Samuel chapter 2? Abathar was one of the descendants of Eli. Eli was a priest. He was an old man. He was big. He was heavy. He was famous. He had two sons. They were horrible. They were doing wrong things. They were stealing. They were doing everything you can name bad. He didn't deal with his sons. And God sent Samuel the prophet and said, 
because you have not dealt with your sons, they will be cut off and their lineage of priesthood will end. That's what happened to them. They all got killed. And then the last one was Abathar. And Abathar now is no longer a priest. And he's been removed from being a priest. So the prophecy came true about Eli and his family. By the way, the Bible always comes true. It doesn't matter what prophecy it is. It doesn't matter where you find it. When it says this is going to happen, if he says I'm going to rule on this earth for a thousand years, I guarantee you Jesus Christ will rule on this earth for a thousand years. That's Revelation chapter 20. I guarantee you that's going to happen. Every prophecy, everything that he says. Now let's go faster because after this, we now get to Joab. And apparently the word came to Joab that Solomon was killing off all the rebellious ones. So now, he's, God, David had told Solomon to deal with Joab. You remember Joab was David's nephew. Joab was a general. Joab was a powerful man. Joab killed innocent people. Joab was not a man of character. He did wrong things. Notice what happened. The news came to Joab, for Joab had followed Adonijah, although he had not followed Absalom. And Joab fled to the tent of the Lord and took hold of the horns of the altar. Now, guess what he did? He did the same thing Adonijah did. He said, I'm they fixing to come kill me. So he went and held on to the horns of the altar and said, now you can't kill me. But here's the truth. To fled to the horns of the altar, it was protection only for those not guilty of murder. And he had murdered two people. He had no protection at the altar. And so he fled to the horns of the altar, but he had no protection. So look what happens. I'm going to go fast. It was told King Solomon, verse 29, that Joab had fled to the tent of the Lord. And behold, he's beside the altar. Solomon sent uh, Benaniah, the son of Jehudadiah, and said, go kill him. He said, they told me he's at the altar. He said, Benaniah, go kill him. So Benaniah goes. So Benaniah came to the tent of the Lord and said to him, thus the king says, come out. And he said, no, I'm not coming out. I'll die here. And Benaniah thought, uh, brought the word to the king and said, thus says Joab, and he answered me. He said, uh, uh, he went to Solomon and said, he won't come out from the altar. Are we supposed to kill people at the altar? That's what Benaiah is asking. Are we supposed to kill people at the altar? And what does Solomon say? The king said to him, do as he spoke and fall on him and bury him that you may remove from me and from my father's house the blood which Joab shed without cause, the Lord will return his blood on his own head because he fell on two men more righteous and better than he. He killed them with the sword. While my father David didn't know it, he killed Abner, the son of Ner, commander of the army of Israel, and Amasa, the son of Jether, the commander of the army of Judah. So what he did, he murdered all these innocent people. And Solomon tells Benaiah, go kill him and remove the blood that he shed by killing innocent people. This is the sowing and the reaping. Joab killed men more righteous than he. He killed them, Abner and Amasa, and it comes back on him. Be not deceived. God is not mine. Whatever we sow, also will reap. Pretty powerful place. Now, I want to read verse 35 because up to this point, everything we've seen is bad. They did bad, so they get bad. We're going to see some people did good. And they get good. Watch this. Verse 35. The king then appointed Benaiah, the son of Jehudiah, over the army in his place. And the king appointed Zadok, the priest, in place of Abathar. So they did good. Both Zadok and Benaiah did good. Benaiah did what they told, what, whatever David, uh, Solomon told him to do. So he gets to take the place. He's now the general. And Zadok did all the right things. And now he gets to be the priest in place of Abathar. So, wow, we got one more, and 
and we're going to go real fast. And we're going to meet this last guy, and his name, you know who he is. His name is Shimei. If you remember, when David had to flee the city, Shimei stood along the side of the Mount of Olives, picking up rocks and dirt and throwing on David and cursing David. And they said, should we go kill him right now? And David said, no. And then when he comes back, he comes to David and says, I made a big mistake. I shouldn't have cursed you. And David says, I will not kill you. But David didn't say he'll, he won't let somebody else kill you. And so now, here's this man, and look what happens. Verse 36. Now the king sent and called for Shimei and said to him, Build for yourself a house in Jerusalem and live there, and do not go out from there any place. For on the day you go out and cross over the brook Kidron, you will know for certain that you'll surely die. Your blood shall be on your own head. Shimei then said to the king, The word is good. And my lord the king has said, So your servant do. So Shimei lived in Jerusalem many days. Now what he tells him is this. I want you to get a house and stay there. I mean, Solomon actually said, build you a house. Do not cross over the Kidron Valley, which is the southeastern part of Jerusalem. Do not cross out of the city. In the day you leave there, you'll die. And Shimei says, okay, I can stay there. And he stayed there for three years. And look what happened. But it came about at the end of three years that two of the servants of Shimei ran away to Achish, son of Micah, king of Gath. And they told Shimei, saying, Behold, your servants are in Gath. Then Shimei arose and saddled his donkey and went to Gath, to Achish, to look for his servants. And Shimei went and brought his servants from Gath. Now, why did he leave? Well, his servants ran away. But he wasn't supposed to leave, right? He probably said, Well, it's been three years. Solomon, he didn't care. I mean... He, he probably didn't really mean that I could never leave. And, 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 I mean, it's been three years. He's probably forgotten it. Verse 41, it was told Solomon that Shimei had gone from Jerusalem to Gath and had returned. So the king sent and called for Shimei and said to him, Did I not make you swear by the Lord and Solomon warn you, saying, You shall know for certain that on the day you depart and go anywhere, you will die? And you said to me, The word which I said is good. Why have you not kept the oath of the Lord and the command which I said, which I laid on you? He's basically saying, why, why didn't you do what you said? I told you you couldn't leave. See, it was told Solomon, so he's now brought the guy in. He said, didn't you make an oath that you would not leave Jerusalem? Now you've not kept your word, and so what? Verse 44, the king said to Shimei, you know all the evil which you acknowledged in your heart, which you did to my father David? Guess what? Sowing and reaping. Therefore, the Lord shall return your evil on your own head. The Lord will return your evil. That is, that's it. He'll come back to you. That's the sowing and the reaping. Be not deceived. God's not mocked. Whatever we put in, we get out. And these are, people are experiencing it right then. It comes back on them. Notice it goes on to say, King Solomon shall be blessed, and the throne of David shall be established before the Lord forever. So the king commanded Benaiah, the son of Jehadiah, and he went out, and he fell upon him that he died. He went and killed Shimei. And I like this last part. It says, thus, the kingdom was established in the hands of Solomon. Benaiah killed Shimei, and Solomon establishes the king. Now, there's something. Solomon was a man of peace, but he begins his reign fighting and killing. 
Actually, Solomon didn't do the fighting. He had other people fight for him and kill for him. But that's how he begins. Now, because of time, let me just give you some quick applications. The first one is this. Let's understand that sin affects our ministry and service for God. When we sin, when we're out of fellowship, it affects us. And that's what happens. The first thing, when we're out of fellowship with God, we're not, we're not abiding, we're not walking with him, that affects our ministry and service. We lose rewards. We lose the opportunity to serve. When we're serving in the flesh, we can get no rewards. And there's discipline from God, Hebrews 12, 6, whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges. So we want to stay in fellowship fellowship with God. We want to live righteously and godly. When we sin, we want to confess our sin immediately to stay in fellowship because it's going to affect our ministry, our service, our rewards, our fellowship, all of that. Second thing, let's understand what, that we reap whatever we sow, whatever we put in. If we sow to the flesh, there's going to be discipline. If we sow to the Spirit, there's going to be life and rewards. And just realize that. And see, one day, how we live down here, and that has nothing to do with salvation, but how we live down here as believers, we'll stand before Jesus Christ, and he may say, I hope he says to all of us, well done, good and faithful servant, but he may not. In fact, First John says we may be ashamed when we stand before him because we may have lived in the flesh and this discipline and, and lack of rewards or in the spirit, and there'll be rewards. The third thing is let's understand that relationship not religion protects us. What do I mean by that? Well, we saw that both Adonijah and Joab ran to the horns of the altar. They thought this religious deal, I'll just go hold on to the altar, that's religion, that's going to save me and keep me protected. Religion never saves anybody. Christianity is not religion. Religion is man trying to please God. Christianity is God pleasing God. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. See, we, the, the way we're saved is not by some religious stuff. It's by believing in Jesus Christ for eternal life. Listen, there are people all over this town who think by going to church or doing certain religious things that that's going to get them okay with God, and it's not. Because the wages of sin is death. And every one of us have sinned and need a Savior. And Jesus has died for us, paid for our sins, and rose again. And he says, if you will believe in me, you have eternal life. I hope and pray, every one of you in this room, that you have believed in Christ for eternal life. That's his promise. His promise is, when you believe in me, you will never perish, but have everlasting life.